Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Today, my guest is Dr. Richard Berendt from Edmonton, Alberta. He is consulting pathologist at Cross Cancer Institute in Edmonton, Alberta. He is also an elder in the United Church of God. He and his colleagues were awarded the 2022 HQCA, that's Health Quality Council of Alberta, Patient Experience Award. He and his family have been friends of mine for several decades. And actually, I'm not with him at this very moment, and neither are we online, but let me explain. We have been talking about the topic of truth for some time. That's seeking truth, identifying truth, and sharing what is true in any discipline or walk of life. He gave an address to a congregation recently in Edmonton. When I listened to it, I told myself, Dr. Barron summarized that subject extremely effectively, most likely better than we could do in an interview. So I'm sharing a major part of his message with you. We talked about the various elements that you'll be hearing. He will speak as a medical doctor, a scientist, and an elder. I'm sure you'll find his presentation thought-provoking, insightful, and relevant in the times we live. I'm a believer in using props. I'll get my props ready. First prop is something more precious and special. It's a beautiful ornate handmade box, beautiful red rosewood, some handmade decorations on it, a little bit of jade set, and it's just a beautiful treasure box. My wife, uh, she does keep some pretty precious things in this little treasure box. So I'm going to put this treasure box close to me. I don't want it to get away from me. Now, I have another box along as, a, as my second prop. Now, this box, it's just a plain old box. It's seen a lot of wear and tear. It's been sitting in my basement for a long time. I don't really care, even if I lose it, really. It's not that valuable to me. And I have a third box that I'll talk about. That box is out of sight, perhaps out of mind, certainly far away from me. And I don't want it uh, to interfere with my life. That box is somewhere out back. It's the trash bin. When I looked at the subject of truth, and I was motivated to talk about truth, because how can you not be in this, this contentious society? Uh, I realized, going back through old notes, that I'd given a sermon on what is truth very recently, really four years ago, pre-pandemic, of course. So uh, in some ways, in retrospect, reviewing that sermon, I realized, wow, I think we've I think we've grown. I think it's a sermon worth reviewing, but in fact, it's a sermon worth modifying too, because we've learned a few lessons. We're growing. Jesus, being inter interrogated by Pontius Pilate, basically famously replied to Christ's statements. What is truth? It sounds derisive. It sounds pretty cynical. Pilate was completely blind to the personage the embodiment of truth who was standing before him, the very political, physical, and even spiritual reality of absolute truth, God in the flesh standing before him. In the Roman world then, as in our world today, cynical leaders mock the idea of truth, as Pilate did, mock truth as being undefined, somehow useless or unknown, foreign, Pilate dismissed it as unreliable or somehow ambiguous. He didn't know how to deal with that statement. Truth? What is truth? The only truth to him was political truth. The truth 
in his world that might makes right. Absolute truth absolutely did not exist for him. Uh, a real God did not really come forward in his mind. Vague, vague idea or superstitions about that might have been there. But to him, truth was only relative, as maybe we see today in our society. And for him, truth was something that was relative, perhaps subject to human manipulation, power politics, and certainly not a virtue to be held in high esteem and grabbed, grasped, something that you could put in a treasure chest. However, we know, and I know, and, and certainly as a scientist and physician in this world, I know that God has granted mankind the desire and the ability to seek truth, at least on a human or scientific level. And so we seek to understand at least the reality of God's physical creation, something we are not blind to, whereas the spiritual world might be beyond man's grasp without God's help. So man has been granted this power and ability to attempt to master more of God's creation, more of this world. And he does this through the pursuit of scientific truth. And I know through my own experience that in some ways man makes a noble effort and gets there sometimes. This world is a mixture of truth and error, incomplete understanding, a lot of blindness, but some glimmers of light, of a greater truth, of a magnificent creator behind it all, a master behind us, perhaps with a plan. So as prophesied now, we realize that scientific knowledge has increased. This is because it's God's gift to us, to give us that, in, in, that, uh, that curiosity. Um, and it's increased because mankind, or whenever mankind honestly recognizes the need to eliminate his own human bias and his own shortfall by discovery, experimentation, and so on. Something that God has given us and built in us so that we can discover the physical reality and truth of God's existence and creation. So we use, as human beings, to the best of our ability, the scientific method to honestly explore physical questions and attempt to eliminate our bias, because we all know we have bias. One of the scriptures that I uh, cling to as a, as a physician at the University of Alberta is uh, Philippians 4, verse 8. I've got several versions here. Uh, the motto of the University of Alberta comes from Philippians 4, verse 8, I've told you before. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, and that can sometimes be translated honorable. Whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there be any praise, the university motto says, think on these things. And that's a great thing. It comes from scripture. This idea is God's inspiration to even the sec secular university in our city, which is to God's credit. And the inbuilt curiosity man has. So that's a scripture that's always stuck with me ever since I became a university student, student here at the uh, university locally after I came back from Ambassador College. As Christians, however, taking it to the next level, we have been given something quite different. We've been given a glimpse of spiritual truth, of absolute reality. We know that our vision is limited, if we're honest, and if we read scripture, we know 
that Paul describes us seeing that spiritual reality or truth as seeing through a glass darkly. Our vision, we must honestly admit, is partial, it's immature, it's limited in understanding, sort of equated, let's say, to a child's immature understanding. How can we possibly understand the fullness of the reality of God? However, that limited vision is a priceless one. It's our priceless treasure. It's a gift that we couldn't discover ourselves, but has been given to us as God's children. In terms of the wisdom of this world, we are not worldly wise like Pilate. We're not effective, cynical politicians as we see in this present evil world. We know that we're just as susceptible, just as human, and can you know, find error as quickly as anyone. Uh, even as we try to pursue the truth scientifically and humanly. However, miraculously, our eyes have been opened as witnesses to this more important spiritual truth as revealed in God's word and as granted to us by the, the Holy Spirit working in us. So today, the purpose of, of my message today centers around this title I've given it. It's... It's an, a funny, funny expression. It's an idiom that we use in society. The honest truth. Well, obviously that sounds a little redundant. Isn't truth always honest? I mean, if it's the truth, it is honestly the truth. There's, there are no um, dishonest truths. The truth is the truth and always the honest truth. But this is an idiom that people use, and I think you might understand it. It's an expression people use to stress that the truth they tell is somehow either more complete, more heartfelt and sincere, or at at very least better explained with more context. Better explained. So the truth is contextualized and we relay the truth as we also relay who we are and where that truth comes from. And it's a a fuller context of, of what this truth is that we are trying to impart. It's an honest truth. I'm thinking specifically of our own approach to truth, fallible fallible human beings as we are, as we strive to grow to become the spiritual bride of Christ. And as that bride, we must always present the honest truth, which involves this spiritual truth as we have received it and as we understand it. And with my props today, I hope to show you a little bit of a tool, a mental tool to simplify your task as an honest truth seeker, as the bride of Christ. So what do the scriptures tell us about God, his word, and truth? What really are we, are we centering upon when we, when, we, when we gather this truth from scripture? Clearly the truth that God reveals to us this way is something from outside of this world. It's an otherworldly, purely spiritual truth. It's not scientific. It's not... Uh, political savvy. It's not logic the way men use logic. It's not incomplete and carnal. It's a higher spiritual truth that we cannot otherwise discover for ourselves. In Proverbs, Proverbs 30 verse 5, David tells us that every word of God is pure. And so we look to the word of God for the source of, of, of truth because God provides it there. Daniel refers to God's words as the scripture of truth in Daniel 10. Jesus Christ said of his father, 
God the Father. Father, your word is truth. And he was quoting the Psalms. So in John 17, he was quoting the Psalms, talking about the word coming from the Father and representing absolute truth. We then, his disciples, following Christ, do so by speaking the truth in love. And this is so that we may grow up in all things. Ephesians 4 verse 15. Ephesians 4 15 says, We speak this truth in love so that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So we follow Christ because we are his disciples and we speak the same truth and we speak it in love. So this truth is something that Christ preached. It's nothing other than this. It's not some arbitrary mathematical theorem or scientific uh, idea that we are preaching. We are following Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God's word in finding and then preaching and imparting this truth to the world. Paul said in Ephesians 1.13, In him, meaning Christ, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So this whole gift we've been given of truth leads to this uh, amazing promise of, of more truth as the Holy Spirit will work within us. It is the, the word of truth and the gospel of salvation, which represents the spiritual truth that you and I have been given. Not a magic um, formula for business success in the world, not a magic um, revelation of uh, intricate details of new physics or relativity or anything in, in astronomy. This is spiritual, leading to eternal life from the creator of all. Romans 1 verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. Again, this is God's spiritual truth being suppressed. And we know that the adversary in this world, our adversary, would like that truth suppressed. 1 John 4, verse 4, talks to us. You are of God, little children. So recognize how small we are, honestly. And have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you. So any, any spiritual greatness or gift that we have is not from us, but it has been given to us as a, as a precious gift. They, speaking of others, are of the world, and therefore speak they of the world. And those around us, you can think of those concerned with the things of this world. They speak of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. So we may not be as effective participants in this world at this present moment, but we are of God, and he that knows God hears us, and he that is not of God hears not us. So we, we see this huge separation between the truth and understanding we have on the spirit level and those that know the world and speak of the world and effectively work in the world. And we, see, we recognize the difference. He that knows God hears this message, and most others are ignoring it right now. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's defined by those who do respond to that truth and that calling. 
2 Timothy 2.15 says, By rightly dividing the word of truth, it is commissioned by Christ to preach the truth of the gospel to all the world. And part of my uh, title message, The Honest Truth, is all about rightly dividing the word of truth and making sure that it remains pure and unadulterated by our own thinking or by the world's thinking. Rightly dividing the word of truth, keeping it pure, as that pure, pure word comes from God. So that we preach that same truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ told us to preach. We know that uh, in, in Scripture we, we understand well that we are not savvy. And we are not seen as very savvy or smart when we dwell on these spiritual ethereal ideas that nobody understands. But we use our money to preach God's word and, and the message of truth. And in the final analysis, in the forever sense, we are the ones that are wisest of all by following God and, and valuing permanent truth. So exactly what truth have we been given? What are we talking about when we talk about truth? When we stand up as, as ambassadors for Christ, we preach the truth. Are we talking about carnal understanding, political savvy, business acumen, scientific, razor-sharp minds? No. We're talking about unknowable truths that are revealed to us by the Spirit of God. Something spiritual, something meaningless to much of the world right now. The Bereans were uh, commended for being honest with receiving the truth in Acts 17.11. Speaking of the Bereans, and when they were learning about Jesus Christ, Paul described them as, these were more fair-minded and that can be translated as honorable or honest or noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, so they received it, and they searched what? The scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so, to find out whether these things were true. They searched the scriptures daily. They didn't turn to Plato and Aristotle philosophies to determine whether these things were true. They searched the scriptures, the source, of truth. We as Christians have received then spiritual truth and everything in the life of us as Christians must be anchored to that spiritual truth. God wants us to commit ourselves to truth and have it reflected in everything we do all the time. While seeking the truth as we do now, we cannot honestly, let's be honest, we cannot honestly claim that we have perfect understanding yet. We can't honestly claim that we understand the absolute truth and reality of God, our creator, who has created the universe and everything in it. I can't even get my head around simple mathematics and, and physics. Uh, that master creator has not only created everything in the world and all of the laws and amazing sights to behold and explore, but he has created us with our minds. And beyond that, knows us in such intimate detail as little children and describes us so. We are immature. So we must, as loving children, be honest with ourselves and with everyone around us about which truth we know, how we know it. And we must be careful not to pretend to know more than we really do, which is a common human mistake. 
Now, if there's anything we are as a church, it is a church of truth seekers. Is that not true? We have a long, long tradition. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our lingo. We preach the gospel truth, not just the gospel, the gospel truth. And, and uh, for those of you listening today who've been around for 40, 50, 60 years, uh, as I've been in the church for 60 years, you might remember exactly what I'm saying. We had a flagship magazine called The Plain Truth Magazine, after all. It was The Plain Truth. Uh, we were very zealous to discover and proclaim the black and white truth about everything in the world. And, and it was at a time when a lot of uh, you know, spiritual truths, such as God's existence, were being uh, challenged and assailed by, by science in particular. So we were really quite anti-science in that way. We talked about Satan's universities. We um, basically said, well, scientists are completely wrong, <laughs> you know, black and white. No, no truth at all. They are completely wrong. Um, doctors are all liars. They're conflicted. They're part of big pharma, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We had this very black and white uh, view. And so, in some ways, I'd like to encourage our younger generations to realize we've grown. We recognize and and realize there's this maturing process that we have as children, in terms of defining truth, respecting that sometimes there's a mix of truth and error outside of spiritual truth and uh, being honest about that with ourselves and, and others. I've got this uh, interesting uh, trivia page. Now, I was delving into the Plain Truth magazine of the 50s and the 60s and reading a lot of the issues, and it's quite interesting and, and revealing. You know, we, um, we went to Ambassador College in the 60s when my father attended, and then I went later in the 70s, and, and we lived a, a lot of this truth. And there was a quite a, a unique and... and interesting and influential individual in the church, especially in the 60s and 70s. Someone who I will give the old-timers some hints to, and we'll see whether the old-timers can guess who I'm talking about, because I'm going to use one of his ideas today. As a hint, he was the first graduate of Ambassador College, joined the college in 1947. As a hint, he was the one who was selected to speak both at Loma D. Armstrong's funeral, and then later at Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong's funeral. If you, if you know who it is, don't speak out. Just put your hand up. Let's see if we, we have anybody that has some ideas. Well, I think we have some, some people who know. Well, this was Mr. Herman L. Hay. Mr. Hay is, is a name that I'm sure the young people have never heard of. It's someone very familiar <laughs> to those of us who've been around a long time. He helped shape the church culture. Through his influence in the early days, he gave us a worldview, and he helped us change that worldview. And in the tribute pages for uh, Dr. Herman L. Hay, uh, some people said, Dr. Hay was at heart, I believe, a scientist. And so I kind of identify with that sort of logical approach. As a good scientist, he or she is honest and must constantly amend and update his or her understanding of things. And Dr. Hay was nothing if not honest, totally lacking in the kind of pride and vanity that keeps ordinary mortals from admitting error. So in, in, the, in terms of the honest truth, I want to point to some of that quality that Dr. Hay um, kind of embodied. Other, other uh, a classmate of mine from Ambassador described him this way. 
the immature us versus the world mentality so commonly observed and encouraged in the church. And this is a little passe now, but it, it's true and we have grown and we learn, was refreshingly absent in Dr. Hayes' life. Instead, he built bridges of understanding between himself and people of differing perspectives, even outside of the church, rather than self-righteously erecting walls of separation in the name of God's truth. Another uh, tribute says, in the 50s and 60s, we seem to spawn a mindset of separation between us and the world. And I remember that, that so well. Black and white, as I say. That mentality was conspicuously absent in Herman Hay, building bridges across professional, denominational, religious, national, and ethnic lines. And finally, in a discussion with uh, Mr. Victor Kubik recently, I um, gleaned a few salient points. And these were Mr. Kubik's um, summary of what he learned from his mentor, Dr. Hay. Number one, value all people. Everyone is made in God's image and has a potential to be in his family. Do we remember that? Do we speak of all people with dignity and respect, both publicly and privately? Do we avoid all slander? Number two, serve mankind with humility. And in recent, recent uh, sermon messages, I have stressed the humility of the unloving bride of Christ. And that's certainly something that I continue to, to stress and realize we need more of. We need this humble, honest truth approach as the bride of Christ. Realize that what we do, our whole purpose as carriers of the gospel message, as ambassadors for Christ, is something between you and me and God. It's not about mankind, per se. It's not about who we treat with kindness. It's because we are the bride of Christ that we treat all people with kindness. It's because we are the unleavened bride of Christ that we treat everyone with respect. And finally, point number three, Victor Kubik summarizes, was the ability and priority to seek peace and strive to resolve conflict by giving up all position and status. And his philosophy was that the fight was not his. And the human battle will never achieve ultimate peace. And so in, in my discussion uh, with uh, Victor Kibbeke, he relayed a, a private story that uh, I um, asked to use today. And that story was about Dr. Hayes' three boxes. Hence, well, of course, I had to bring some boxes. <laughs> now, I've embellished this and I've sort of summarized it and maybe tried to improve it. Uh, and uh, you've seen a couple of the boxes here. One is completely out of sight, out of mind, and, and ir irrelevant in some ways to me. <laughs> it's, so the three boxes uh, of, of uh, the three boxes idea uh, from Dr. Hay goes something like this. Box number one is a small box for priceless truths that we hold dear. It's sitting right there. It's a small box. We only need a small box. There is simplicity in Christ. These revealed spiritual truths we do treasure. They are a matter of life, eternal life to us, essential, life-giving to us. 
These truths represent an individual gift to us, but they are not held as private understanding, privately held truths that no one else understands. We share these in Christ's body as a church, but each gift is individual, and it's imparted by the Spirit, God's calling, and the Holy Spirit revealing the way, the truth, and the life to each one of us personally. Holding these truths close and dear will lead to eternal life. Dr. Don Ward uh, probably summarized some of the truths that you and I should keep in our box. And uh, certainly you could, you could reference the fundamental beliefs of our church to, to put in some of those well-thought-out, well summarized truths that we understand and believe. They're spiritual truths. They're from the Word of God. They uh, represent the commandments and, and everything surrounding those commandments. But Dr. Don Ward actually summar, summarized, and I'll paraphrase phrase, uh, the five great truths. Which, and these are some of the five truths that we all have in our precious box, close at hand for ready reference. One, God exists. There is a higher power for good. We should be encouraged. There is hope for mankind. Number two, God has a purpose for creating the universe, creating human beings and human life. And not only that, he individually has a purpose for me. He loves me. Number three, God has revealed spiritual truth, which represents hope and the way to eternal life. And that fabulous gift sacrifice and all that it entails will lead to my eternal life because a loving God intends that for me. Number four, God has outlined his plan to offer salvation to all of mankind as revealed by his laws, the holy days, Sabbaths. His whole plan for mankind is laid out. It's a wonderful plan. And number five, we will be changed from mortal to immortal. Our lives don't end as mortal men end in dust, but we will be born into the family of God at the resurrection. And what a fabulous promise that is. What an eternal, what, what, there's a promise that is indescribable in its immensity. It's, 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 it's absolute um, overwhelming importance for us all is to give us an eternal future with an eternal God who is perfect and loves us. Okay, so that's box number one. You can see there's not a lot of clutter in that box. Uh, there is a simplicity in Christ. You don't need a trunk. You don't need to in, make an encyclopedic uh, inventory. <laughs> it is relatively uh, straightforward as the gospel message is for mankind. Now, box number two is not in the room. It's a box not for priceless truths. It's a box for the opposite, fatal error. Fatal error that we must reject and discard. We're likewise given, since we recognize the truth by this miracle from God, we're likewise given the ability to recognize 
what is not truth then? Spiritual errors, which are fatal, life-ending. The recognition that these lies originate with our adversary, beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden. Fatal ideas like, you shall not surely die. You have an immortal soul. There's no proof that God exists. God, if he exists, is impersonal and distant from you as an individual. There's nothing in this lifetime you can do that really matters to an all-powerful God. God will understand that I'm imperfect. He, he made me this way. There are a lot of lies that can creep into our thinking. There's no purpose for or meaning in life. How can God love me? God is evil for allowing the suffering, the pain, and the death of good people all around. How can there be a good God? I draw breath. I think. Therefore, I am. And I am entitled to my own beliefs, opinions, and decisions. There are errors like this, errors of thinking, spiritual errors, which we must reject to avoid eternal death. We must embrace priceless truths, and we must reject fatal errors. Now, that box isn't even in the room, because when we reject error, we don't further dwell on it. We certainly don't keep those errors close and conversant. We reject them. They are in the trash bin. They're not, in the, they're not where you live. And we continue to use the trash bin appropriately when we come across fatal spiritual errors. And we reject it entirely from our lives and eject them from the room. That's box number two. Now, box number three is sitting right there on the step. It's not a box containing priceless truths that you're sure of, that have been revealed to you as a gift from God. It's not a box containing fatal errors that you recognize are clearly a problem. It is a box for interesting problems, interesting human problems. These are problems that are not a matter of life and death to you, unless you let them be. These are problems that you're not particularly interested in. You might mull them over. They certainly don't merit a nice, handmade, precious treasure box. In my household, I have a, several of these boxes, and my wife can attest. I have my COVID box, <laughs> my COVID pandemic box, for example, my most recent box. And it's filled with all the newspaper clippings and articles and things I've printed and ideas I've written. And it's sort of a, it's a, it's an, like an archaeologist's uh, layer by layer time frame of how the world was thinking and how I was thinking through that entire episode of my life. The truth and the error, the contention, the debate, the unprovable, the unproven, the preposterous ideas that came through as it evolved over time. And they keep pile up, piling up in, in that box. The box of interesting problems was Dr. Hayes' third box. Now, it's a bigger box than this, uh, this box of truth I have here. I, we can't collect many more uh, spiritual truths than God has, has given to us, and they do contain themselves in a small, precious box we can keep close to us. The box of interesting problems is something we may never get to the bottom of. We may, may never devote a lot of time proving or disproving. Life's too short. Some of the things in there are 
unprovable until we have the mind of God. They're unresolved. They contain all of the doubtful disputations, the privately held opinions and practices, even the unresolved spiritual problems or, or questions we have personally that we don't allow to come to the fore and to disturb us and to adulterate those priceless truths that are pure. They are the contentions and the ideas uh, debated everywhere in our physical world during our experience of politics, of health, of wars, of famine, of pestilence that will inevitably. And there are life lessons in there as we grow and mature and, and might review our interesting problems boxes. But something that we don't allow to destroy us or consume us. Such questions in our interesting problems box must be and should be, my advice, Dr. Hayes' advice would be, should be deliberately compartmentalized as less important. Christians must keep their eyes on the ball of the important central spiritual truths and not be misled by these lesser problems, as interesting as they may be, as challenging as they be. Because Christians remain united that way on what we agree. We focus on essential spiritual truths which will lead us to life eternal together, for which we have been collectively gifted. My two previous sermons, as I mentioned, were describing us as the bride of Christ and how unleavened and humble we are to be, just as Christ was. How kind and loving the church is to be, the queen of kindness, just as Christ is kind and, and the Godhead. So this sermon basically encourages us to think about how Christ's virtuous bride must present the truth, the spiritual truth above all, and display honesty and integrity in presenting that truth and in following God's, God's word, as my favorite scripture, Philippians 4.8, the model of the University of Alberta. How we as Christians go further than just the, the human pursuit of scientific truth, but we um, value this spiritual gift of truth above all. Christians grow, and we have grown. I can, I can certainly say after 60, almost 60 years in the church, and, and living through the era of the Plain Truth magazine and our attempts to, to proclaim the truth about everything spiritual and physical in this world, that we are perpetually growing in that truth into presenting the truth honestly in Jesus Christ. And the gifted Holy Spirit uh, reveals, us, re reveals to us this, this spiritual truth that le ultimately leads to all. All truth. Obviously, the, the gift of the Spirit is, is, is described as, as leading us ultimately into all truth. And I fully believe that that means all truth, absolute truth, spiritual, physical, political, physics, astronomy, the entire gamut of, of truth will come to us through the Holy Spirit. Not today, but we are growing in that truth in spirit and in truth, and likely it will take the fullness of time. When we are finally, truly born of the Spirit, when we can take it all in, the absolute truth and reality of God on every level from top to bottom. One point I would emphasize is that one can be honest without knowing the whole truth. 
one can be absolutely honest, and the virtue of honesty is there, despite not having complete, total grasp of the truth. Even though we only see that spiritual truth through a glass, dimly or darkly, that does not mean we cannot be 100% honest in our presentation of the truth as we are given to understand it at any moment in time. The corollary to that is, we obviously know that one can be dishonest despite knowing all truth. And certainly Satan, our adversary, is one who knows the truth and yet is dishonest with it and presents it incompletely, distorts it. Lawyers in this, in this, in this world and the accused in this world's justice system are condemned for lying. We all recognize the Ninth Commandment as, as a virtue. There's dishonesty in telling a lie, but they are not forced to tell the truth. Omission is permitted. You can take the Fifth Amendment, as it is in the United States, right? And avoid um, convicting yourself. You can remain silent. Witnesses, however, are encouraged and expected to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Albeit, we understand witnesses can sometimes be imperfect in their understanding, but to the best of their knowledge. In fact, a witness who tells no lies at all can still be convicted of perjury by simply withholding the truth. It's an interesting idea, interesting problem, something we can think about as witnesses to Christ, as his disciples. So we must be very honest as, as the bride of Christ before God and man about what we as fallible humans with our limitations, our education, our, our abilities, actually profess to be true as part of this gospel message we carry. From direct knowledge and revelation versus what we may believe but do not know with certainty. And we may delve into our interesting problems box regularly. Hopefully we're not consumed by it and hopefully we do not elevate that dirty old ragged carbon box cardboard box onto the podium here and start replacing truth with or mixing truth with disputable um, facts or alternative facts. We who are ambassadors of the kingdom of God, the bride of Christ, must be brutally honest with ourselves about what we know about God's revelation and what we do or do not know beyond God's spiritual revelation. We must also not overstate or imply to overstate our knowledge of the truth. We must fight the human tendency to assume or pretend that our glimpse of spiritual truth carries over into all other human questions and doubtful disputations, spiritual and physical, that are not directly yet answered by God. So we must be scrupulously careful to keep that precious truth box unadulterated and purely spiritual as revealed to us from God's spiritual truth. Even though we may be privately convinced of many things, I know that you know, people will get very emotionally wrapped up in this, in this world and feel that they are personally suffering and victimized and want to defend themselves. They will declare that this or that president or prime minister is approved by God or not, you know, and, and be, be fully convinced of that, or that this or that human institution, the WHO, the FBI, other institutions are either satanic and deceived or 
good and useful. <laughs> and those, those debates are out there. And as a scientist in this world, I can certainly say there's a mix of truth and error. This is not something that is unassailable, unadulterated spiritual truth. This is an interesting problem in Satan's world. Something that we must recognize and combat. After all, we could be wrong if we tell the honest truth. We are imperfect. We are doing our best. We could be wrong. The worst thing we can do is mix God's truth with our own error. So we must be scrupulously careful about what we put in this box and what we eject from this box and what we reject into the alleyway in the trash bin. From uh, Victor Kubik in May 2020, the last period of uncertainty, the, the pandemic challenge has certainly been a, a trial for the church amongst many times. There will be more, more things like this to come. Now we have the Ukraine war, wars, pestilence, famine. It will all come. We live in a time of great uncertainty, he wrote. Well, certainly we, we will look forward to more. In times like these, people want answers and they want them now. When media sources and government authorities uh, say things like, there's so much we don't know, and they honestly say that, some people respond with, that's not good enough, and they seek their own answers. Or they have itching ears, and they want to uh, believe that there is uh, an, an answer somewhere. It's hidden. There's political division that is inspired. He wrote, in short, in the subjected political world, one's personal conspiracy theory can be regarded as another person's truth. What is truth? Men seek to know. And, Dr. and uh, Victor Cuba goes on and, and did such a masterful job as, as uh, our president in the church, uh, describing how, as a church, we are not experts in the practice of medicine or in science or, or, or in any of these human endeavors. We do emphasize respect for people and their personal decisions. So what's our role in the matter? It is not the church's role. It's not our role in this instance. My role at work might be something different, but it's not our role from this podium and in this church to teach and preach anything about the contentious matters in this world. It is the church's role to teach and preach what Jesus commanded us. It's not our gospel message. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means we refrain from, from posting things like I received in the mail, foreign to the teachings of Christ that can cause offense. It means we don't provoke one another negatively. As a loving church, we seek to keep it together. And we do that by keeping our minds focused on the pure and unadulterated spiritual truths God has given us. He wrote, we will likely experience uncertainty, trials, and tests for some time. Accordingly, in the days ahead, let us uh, set aside that which is uncertain and causes division. So hence, Dr. Hayes' uh, middle box. This, this third box out there, you may or may not deal with it anytime soon. It's not a matter of life or death, but it can cause division. It causes division in this world. It's the box of interesting problems that we will always have. And I've got a collection of them at home too. Let us instead, he wrote, embrace what Paul teaches, be imitators of God. In these times of uncertainty, let us not be paying attention to speculative theories, but let us be fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, our elder brother, and soon coming king, the author and the finisher of our faith in Hebrews 12. In conclusion, I'll just turn back to something that um, was quoted by a friend of mine of Ambassador College who, back in the 60s, 70s, uh, with me at college, 
had this experience with Dr. Hay. As a good scientist, he wrote in tribute to Dr. Hay, uh, any good scientist who is honest must constantly amend and update his or her understanding. And Dr. Hay was nothing but honest, as I, as I wrote. But he continued, when asked a question that concerned the past in some form, Dr. Hay usually opened with the, with the phrase. So Dr. He was known and famous for this phrase. If memory serves, and then he would go on and on and, and explain what he thought about this or that, the truth of this or that. If memory serves, this was the case. Um, so once I asked him, my friend said, I, once I asked him why, and he replied, it's the only way to have an honest conversation. No one possesses perfect memory. If you reply to a question without the facts immediately in front of you or imminently fresh in your mind, then you have a choice to make. Will you be arrogant or will you be honest? So I thought that was a revealing and admirable thought that uh, as, as Christians preaching the truth of the gospel message, that we always preface that with, we're human beings, and we have been revealed and given this truth, and this is not our thinking, but honestly, this is the way we understand it. Honestly, we believe this to be spiritual truth. Because as the bride of Christ, we are to represent the way of truth, as it is outlined in Scripture. We bear great responsibilities to speak only the truth. Why? Because we are not ambassadors of ourselves. We are ambassadors for Christ the personification of absolute truth in the universe. Second Peter 2 warns, but there were false prophets also amongst the people, even as there are false teachers among you. Here's a warning. People who mixed truth with error, so dangerous. Who privately will bring in damnable heresies, even denying that the Lord brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow in their pernicious ways. And so by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So if we mix precious truths with our own fallible thinking and errors and concepts, private opinions, interpretations, we might drag that truth, we might drag Jesus Christ into disrepute. The way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Paul describes God's church as the pillar and ground of the truth in 1 Timothy 3.15. The pillar and ground of the truth. Are we scrupulously careful to seek truth and keep it pure and grounded in spiritual reality? We as members are servants of the living and true God in 1 Thessalonians 1. Servants of the living and true God. Everything in the life of a Christian is anchored to truth. We have to commit ourselves to truth and reflect it in everything we do. We're not to bear false witness, but we shall also bear true witness about Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, to help our neighbors out of love as the bride of Christ. We do so in humility. We do so in kindness. We do so because of who we are, not for the sake of anyone in particular, not to curry favor. Therefore, we not only do not lie, but moreover, we are honest with the truth. We do tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In other words, the honest truth about what we do and do not know for certain. 
and never mix the two. So then back to Pilate's original question. Uh, we've heard sermons about truthfulness and what is the truth for, for many years, and I think we continue to grow when we're placed in the crucible of this ever-evolving uh, physical human life that we, that we um, experience and that we grow by. The only way to have an honest conversation, Dr. Hayes said. So what is the truth? We as the Bride of Christ must be ready with an answer, and that answer is the honest truth. We have this priceless gift, these precious truths we guard and keep close. They are within our small, close-at-hand box of truth. They're universal amongst God's church. They represent, and we represent, the way of life. They represent the truth, and we, and we preach this spiritual truth faithfully as the gospel to all the world as a light. We should not become ensnared by the spirit of deception and error in this present age. We must not allow ourselves to be manipulated by the lies and uh, the disbelief, the rancor, the disrespect, the outright lies that circulate around us, that we are immersed in, in social media. We have no place in engaging in those and diving into these, these boxes of doubtful disputations, even if it involves spiritual topics that we're not sure of that we don't share amongst other brethren, that the church as a body does not recognize. If we have private spiritual problems, we keep them out of our precious truths box, and they stay in our challenging, interesting problems box. We know that there are going to be controversies, continue to be controversies, about what is true in science and medicine, business, politics, all around us in the world. But we're careful to keep only truth in our box, reject all doubt and heresy, never allow our personal opinions to enter in and undermine our credibility and thereby embarrass Jesus Christ, the embodiment of truth. The honest truth is that God exists, divine, absolute, objective, and eternal, all-powerful. He revealed himself to us through Christ. Christ was born incarnate to testify to the truth in this world as we read in God's truthful message, the Word. And there is great simplicity in that message of Christ. There's the honesty that is present uh, in our presentation of that gospel message must become evident that we, as humble and kind servants and ambassadors and messengers of that kingdom, are trying to represent the way, the truth, and the life as made possible by Christ's sacrifice, in the most honest and genuine way we can. We must concentrate on the higher truth then, revealed to us from above. That's our calling. Keep your focus. Represent the way of spiritual truth, not political, not scientific, not, not other. Preach that gospel truth, the honest truth, to all the world about a resurrected Christ, the one working together with the Father, the one that, in the end, is the only reality that matters to us. We thank you, our listeners, for joining us here today for The Cubic Report. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Podbean, which includes information about this podcast, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Pocketcaster, and other podcasting platforms. You can easily find us on any browser address bar. 
by simply typing in the words, The Cubic Report. And there we are. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your impressions and suggestions. So write to us at thecubic at gmail.com, v-k-u-b-i-k at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.